When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! Oh! tries it, don't know, long we over, oh, what a goal! What a goal! Fletcher! Lucius McCulloch, saved it in! Barry Ferguson! Don't miss again, and it's there! Hartley and Weir comes up, Jackson! Welcome to the Hamden Roar with me, Andy Burge, for an episode with the most unique guest the podcast has had yet. He scored five goals in 15 starts for his country during an extremely competitive era for Scotland players and is widely known for his style on and off the park. It's 28 cap, Pat Nevin. Yes, superb guest for the Hamden Roar this week, it's Pat Nevin. Welcome along to the Hamden Roar, Pat. Um, it's great to be uh, on the Hamden <laughs> Roar. A um, couple of times in the past I've done... Uh, stuff with uh, you know the fans etc. Um, Tom Coyle's a right good mate of mine um, who's very involved in the, the different fan things um, and honestly if you can keep me down to however long this is going to be I'll be impressed <laughs> because uh, I've got my uh, my love of my country my love of playing for my country and there's plenty of stories. Good well let's uh, delve right into things before we take a jog down memory lane though just Tell listeners what you're up to these days, what's taking up your time? Um, well, I do travel a bit, I live in Scotland still, um, but I work uh, basically in England uh, and around Europe. Um, it's mostly, I do a lot for Channel 5, I work for Chelsea, um, I work for various other companies, The Zone, which is a company which streams games over to uh, the US and Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I write for various people, I'm talking to uh, a couple of books book publishers at the moment about releasing some work as well um, so plenty of hours just doing things I like I'm a really lucky guy I've got to get to do things that I like maybe it's a slight disappointment that after working a long time in Scotland I did have a good long time working in Scotland mm-hmm. I don't do any work in Scotland at all that's not a choice thing that's just I'm not asked to do anything in Scotland okay. now so um, but I get up five levels send me up for the Celtic Rangers games or certain big games yeah. near the end of the season and Fortunately, and rather wonderfully for me, they actually get me to do all the Scotland games as well, which is <laughs> different class. I didn't ask for this, it just it fell into my lap, and it's a, a brilliant thing are to you, do. Are you able to keep quite professional when you're doing that, or does the fan hat come out as well? Oddly enough, it's it's actually quite, that's a great question. Um, the, the hardest one, because I think I keep professional, mm-hmm. um, I mean I've just been to the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, yeah. and I covered the, the Scotland games there. Uh, but remember the game where Griffith scored a couple against England? Do I remember the game when exactly. Griffith scored a few against England? So I'm doing the commentary there, and I've got an English uh, person commentating beside me. And, uh, was that Murray next to you? I can't remember who it was. I can't remember who it was. Maybe Denno. Anyway, yeah. but the point was, also beside us was the person who was controlling it, as in the, you know, and it was Ke- uh, Kelly. And, uh, Kelly Case? Yes. <laughs> And uh, she was feeling miserably to hold it back. <laughs> I was trying to hold it back. 
Um, but so usually you you can to some degree. When you're doing national teams, it's good. You're allowed to show uh, that you support one team or the other. Generally, in other games, it doesn't. I don't hide my my support. Mm-hmm. I don't hide it. But I will be honest. Mm-hmm. And if Scotland are having a stinker or any team that I like having a stinker, I'll say it. You can definitely do both. Be objective as well yeah. as and, with, the and then when the fan, the fan bit comes when you score and you're yeah. excited and that's fine. Um, but funnily enough, after doing this job for many, many years now, a lot of years, God knows how many years I've been doing it, but it, it just becomes second nature. You, you're able to do that, you're able to keep it slightly in check, but also you're, mm. you know, most radio stations and TV stations want, want the passion. Absolutely. They can the passion. Well, when it comes across in commentary, yeah. I think that's a bonus. It's, it's allowed to be yourself. Yeah, good. Let's go back to the very beginning then. You were born in 63, so I suppose your first Scotland memories would have been the World Cups in the 70s. Would that be right? Yes. Um, the, the big thing to remember in this, this is the, the political point or the <laughs> background point. I come from East End of Glasgow. My family are all Celtic supporters. And some of them would have been supporting Ireland, mm-hmm. not Scotland. Um, at the time, my first ones, it was uh, the 74. My first World Cup, I remember, was 70. And absolutely okay. fell in love with Brazil. Obviously, yeah. they were amazing then. I mean, unbelievable. That was how I wanted to play football. Obviously, I'd been following Celtic at the time, who'd been that '67 team that were European champions and won nine in a row. And Doug Leach mm-hmm. was coming through after the greats before, so I was spoiled rotten. <laughs> then we had '74, um, where we went over. And to be fair, we had some amazing players in '74. Uh, we underachieved because we never got out of the group, yeah. but we had some amazing players there, and that was. Devastating. It was that, that was the Billy Bremner miss. Yeah, I guess uh, Brazil. Yeah. Right? So, you know, and that hurt a lot. And can you remember that pretty vividly then? Well, can, well can, immediately the Billy Bremner thing comes back up. Uh, but can I remember looking at them and having watched, like, Hay and McGrain and you're thinking, mm-hmm. we've got some players yeah. that we can call on here. And, we, you know, the, the quality of players that we're coming across. But we, I think we underperformed. Um, but at that point I was still pretty young and I was playing a lot of football myself yeah. and it was just vague disappointment that we never got through and, and felt a bit cheated as well <laughs> yeah, we, we, we all felt cheated at the time and I suppose that was the first time ever we thought well we've found a really strange way of managing not to get through <laughs> we've since then found amazing ways <laughs> to not get through um, it's just snowballed, hasn't it? And it's absolutely incredible. And bring that up to the present day. I'm over doing, in France there for the whole month, doing and three 0 up against Argentina mm. with the women. And I had said it before the program on Radio Four and Radio Five, saying, "Well, we find amazing ways to really screw up, and I, I can't imagine what we will do at this time. But there's every <laughs> chance we will." I couldn't have believed we'd have managed to find that way of doing it, no. and we did. Uh, and that's the, that's the torture of it. And there's a bit of us now where it still hurts, but we're kind of expecting it now, aren't we? We are kind of, as Scots, we are. It's always the hope that, that kills you. Well, that's that's the, the phrase that goes around. Well, the phrase that goes around, but I think it all changed in 78. I think who Scotland fans were and what we were changed in 78. Um, a number of things happened and there's a bit of a history lesson but I hated that concept of the going round Hamden I don't you've you've seen the pictures going Mm. round Hamden before the team went I'm thinking no you don't do that even as a kid at the time I know you don't do that you celebrate (laughs) afterwards and I'm sure some of the players in fact I know some of the players were embarrassed to hell with it 
Um, but that was incredible. The expectations were, but we had a right good team once again. Um, but because of what happened over there in Argentina, that that changed us, and I think that changed Scotland fans, and we became different types of fans after that. At expectation levels, absolutely through the floor. You add on top of that what Jock Steen brought in when he was manager of no no get these expectations right, know where we are, and everything we get's a bonus kind of thing. Um, we changed after that and just all the, the close calls we've had over the years mm-hmm. what that has done has made us realistic um, and also we'll take the mic out ourselves <laughs> and that's the thing in Scotland fans you'll, you'll watch your Tartan Army now and who I adore with passion um, you watch them travel and that's it it's, we'll have a laugh at yeah. ourselves we'll travel in fantastic numbers we're utterly passionate hugely loved everywhere they go but also when we get beat you know mm-hmm. you just deal with it and get yeah. on with it I think we saw that recently with the Kazakhstan game, oh, didn't yes. we? Oh, and, and, and I could give you millions. And there's one that I've speak to you. There's one that's jumping in my mind, but I'm, I'm going ahead. Of time. Right, we'll, we'll, t- we'll touch on the current setup at the end of the podcast. This, this one's all about you. So let's yeah. go back to your childhood. Then, who did you admire in the Scotland setup growing up? Well, I mentioned uh, I, I had a various heroes, you know, but they, I looked at myself to players at the time and they did some fantastic players it was Kenny, which is odd that he was one of my heroes and then ended up playing with him yeah. for Scotland, which was. Weird. Um, I had I, I adored David Hay. Um, okay. He's one of these guys that everyone talks about. You know, Danny McGrain, who was fabulous, and you know, people who I ended up getting to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the group before that had Jinky and things like that, but never the group that I was growing up with. And David was one of those guys where you put him in the modern game right now, and he'll be like. David Louise, if you want, he'll be like, you know, he'll be the best left back, he'll be the best centre back, he'll be the best left midfielder, he'll be the best centre midfielder. <laughs> he's one of them guys, he was absolutely and utterly brilliant. And because of his injury, when he left Celtic, um, and it made the height of his Scotland career, and by the way, Scotland knew how good it was mm-hmm. at the time, um, at that time, he had a choice of everyone. He had Man United. Wait, he when did he leave Celtic? I said 74, 75, something, around about time. I'm okay. terrible with dates. Um, and he chose Chelsea. And then he got an eye injury. And then it never happened. It didn't happen because he wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. It happened because he got that eye injury. And I knew how brilliant he was. And if you go and watch people a lot, you realise, you know, wait a minute. And most fans at the time who watched closely knew. So the flashy ones like Kenny and Louis yeah. McCarry and all that sort of stuff, they were brilliant players. And, you know, everybody knew. It was yeah. obvious. But then he st- sat down and he thought, oh my God, he's unbelievable. So David Hay was your number so one. So he then. was... So it wasn't the type of player I was trying to be, mm-hmm. obviously, but he was a player who, you know, the Scotland team, I thought, wow. I mean, Kenny was obviously pretty special yeah. as well. Um, but there was, and you think about it, I would be expected when you know, think of my history that I would be naming wingers here. Yeah. And it's not. It was never, because I'd never played in the wing. So I didn't think of wingers as much. You did, know, you, like, did you grow up playing through I was always a 10 or a 9. Okay. So I was always centre forward, one off centre forward. So I very rarely played in the wing. Um, I mean, even as a kid, around about that age now, let me think, 63, 74, 75, I remember playing for Glasgow Schools and uh, I was a centre-forward. But there was another centre-forward in the team. You know, talking about 11 or 12 years yeah. old. And I was furious that he was in front of me. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. I was, because I had school loads of goals. Yeah. But 
this guy, Morris Johnson, he was scoring a lot of goals <laughs> as well. So, and that was kind of the way it was, because that was the only time I got shoved out in the wing. Oh, he went on to have quite a quiet career, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't really cause course. ruffle too many feathers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, him and I, yeah, we ended up, I can remember at that age, him and I standing at the side of a stage fighting. <laughs> just, he was trying to bully, and I was like, no, really? I'm Feasters. <laughs> no. Um, I bet it was funny because yeah. you just kids and that stuff. So, you know, we had that that thing of coming through, but none of us thought we were going to be players. Mm-hmm. We just loved playing football. Yeah, as it should be, I suppose, yeah. when you're younger. Yeah. So that was, you know, you think of that, 78 was a real rebalancing time. Okay. By the time you move on from that 82 and that, I'm now, I'm now doing other things. I'm. I, I, been signed with Celtic and then stopped and started uh, playing I'd started doing my degree um, and I'd signed with Clyde mm-hmm. and that time you're then focused on you yeah so I'm focused on me so I wouldn't have been thinking too much of what the national team was doing yeah other than hell of a, a surprising to me I get dragged into the under 18s <laughs> uh, the Scotland national team did, did uh, you not did you not have a really good run with the under 18s to uh latter stages of a, an international tournament at one point we are the only team <laughs> who has won an international won it did you we won the Euros so we were the Scotland under 18s yeah European champions and I get played at a tournament um, would that have been what early 80s 80, then 80 oh, what would that have been 82 maybe ok maybe 82 maybe 82 Scotland won, 18s won the Euros what well we did um, what team we had you know like so many guys went on to play, you know, top people that everybody would. Brian Gunn was a goalkeeper, right. and there was Westy was a goalkeeper, was also in goals there. We had players that didn't come with that one, like Brian McClare and Eric Black. Right. That's how good, like, who didn't come. I think, and if you just look through the team, Ali Dick was playing time, he had a good career with Tottenham, and, um, but you just go through the whole team, and a vast number of them actually made it as top professionals. And then the year after us, we went to the World Championships in Mexico. And we got to the quarters. And if you think about that, we beat... Uh, no, we got to semis. We, we beat, I think it was Mexico in the, sem- the quarters. Mm-hmm. My cross for Stevie Clark to score the winner. Oh, superb. <laughs> and you said, you look at it now, how yeah. weird is that looking <laughs> back? And that, funnily enough, that under eighteen thing was an amazing thing, you know, to, to get that. Um, but I was still studying at the time. I was still part-time. I didn't really want to be a f- footballer. I just right. liked playing. Okay, even though you were playing with... Comic Stay would have been... Yeah, yeah Comic I was at Clyde at the time, but I was just doing... Hey, that was extra money for my grant then. Yeah. <laughs> so but we had players at Comic Stay in the team. Mm-hmm. You know, top, top quality players. And then suddenly I'm getting to play the tournament and I'm thinking, nah, nah, I still do what I do. I'm, no. too, I'm happy doing my degree and I'm happy playing with Clyde. So I wasn't pushing it. And Chelsea tried to buy me then. And I said, no, for a year. What, what was it you were studying at the time? Uh, B.A. Commerce, which is... Yeah, accounts, economics, business, right, okay. that sort of stuff. So, um, what then happened, Scotland then changed me. Because the next year, at the end of my second year, I had to, I had six exams at the end of the year. But Scotland were going to play in Mexico in the World Championship. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I want to do that. Because I, <laughs> I like travelling, I want to go to Mexico. But I'd missed my six exams. Which meant, if I missed them, and I need to pass them all and reset in August... Mm-hmm. If I fail one of them, I'm out. And I thought, look, let's think about this sensibly. Chelsea are still trying to buy me. Yeah. Why don't I sign a two-year with Chelsea, miss the six exams, go to Mexico, have a ball, come back, 
set the six exams. If I pass them all, I can always say Chelsea get lost. Yeah. So that's exactly what happened. Imagine having that as an offer to no, Chelsea to oh, you know I mean? well, get I stuffed. But I would have. I would, I would certainly a consideration. But I went to the people at the college, which is now uh, Glasgow Cali, right. and said to them, look, do you mind if I take a two-year sabbatical? And they said, yeah, all right. I've told them what I was going to do, and they said, yeah. oh, cool. And just finished the last year after I came back. So it was all set up. So I went over. We get knocked out. You know, we did well, really well. I think it was the we got knocked out of Poland, I think. Um, and then went back and thought, I shall just give that Chelsea a wee go. Yeah. No expectations. It was 95 grand a cost. It was like Charlie had went down the same month mm-hmm. for a lot. And Charlie was big news yeah. to Arsenal. So I just crept in the back door and within a year I was playing at Chelsea. It was <laughs> I know, what, what a rise. I know, from, so I was 19 yeah. and like no expectations. And when I was down there, the only guy I thought I could do it was the manager and the, the assistant manager. Everyone else thought it's a skinny wee guy, no yeah. chance. So it was kind of meteoric. Um, and I never did go back <laughs> to, <laughs> to fin- finish the final year. But what that's important with Scotland is, that changed me with Scotland. And even though I'd won the Euros with Scotland, my head was in a different place. Mm-hmm. The morning after the Euros in Finland, I had to get a, f- a flight the morning and that afternoon I had one of my exams. And that was more in my mind than winning these Euros and all that. It's, I know it sounds odd I, now. I, I can't imagine too many 18 or 19 year olds being in that position and prioritising Well, I was, studies. I, 100% yeah. I was prioritising studies. Yeah. So I was studying in the plane, studying after winning it, everyone's having mm. champagne, I was going, no, no, I'm studying it. So did, you past, get, did you get stuck for that? Probably, but I was pretty confident yeah. in myself. Um they all thought I was weird, but I thought they were all weird. <laughs> so that kind of worked well. To be honest, what helped me and it continued to help me through my career was East End of Glasgow. Mm-hmm. So you're, you've got street smarts as well. Right, okay. So you can take that stuff. You know, you're not going to grow up in Easter House and not have the street smarts. <laughs> put, put up with a little bit of BS from people. Yeah. But the reason why it changed when I went over to Mexico, and I remember it to this day, it was brilliant. So we played against Mexico. They yeah. rioted. We beat them 1-0. That clock is going up. But in the midst of 110,000 people in this stadium, there was about 400 Scotland fans. And they sang. And they were jumping about. And the tarp was there. And I just, it was just like a hit in the face. It was like a punch in the face. God, I feel Scottish. God, I love this country. God, I love the people. And I became... I mean, before then, I was okay with Scotland. I was yeah. like, okay. We're all right, you know, yeah. I couldn't see it, but I became absolute rampant Scotsman that day and just thought, this is, my, this is who we are. Roxy had started, uh, Andy Roxy had started getting, because he was the coach, yeah. and he'd started getting his auntie sing Flora Scotland, because in, in those days, that wasn't our anthem, our anthem was Scotland the Brave or whatever, right. but he wanted to change it. And the rugby people had done the floor of Scotland and we were all into it. <laughs> and all the young guys coming through, we were all bought into all that stuff, so right. like Steve McClare and... McPherson, loads of us, and we were all into that. So it was a great time. Um, and from then on, I just, you know, I was, I continued to, I mean, what, I shouldn't miss one name out here, which is my Clyde manager was Craig Brown. Yes, so, of course, so you knew. I've got very yeah. lucky, you know, so I've been getting a wee shoe in the door there. Like, they're all playing for Celtic and Rangers mm-hmm. and Man United, and I'm a Clyde player, and I'm getting a wee chance here. But you don't get a chance unless you're good enough. Mm-hmm. And you, well, you may get a chance, but you won't stay in. You make your own luck, Pat. Well, <laughs> I had to be better. 
so when I so in the fact that I did well in the tournaments and won the player yeah. the tournament and all that, that kind of was it kind of underlined that I was decent enough. There was one moment though, um, and what I kept hidden from them all, all the Scotland players, because they were all full time. Yeah, I was the only part timer. But what they didn't know is I was a distance runner as well. I never <laughs> told anyone. So before we went uh, to Finland, Roxy had it that we would get this 400 metre run track and, yeah. f- and we would do a fifth, no, it was a 50 minute sprint run. Just everyone runs and you just go and check who's fit. So I'm running along and I'm thinking, oh, they're all full time pros and I'm going to struggle here. About two laps in, I'm thinking, right, well, there's very few that I'm going to stick with me because I'm going to bomb this in mm. a minute because they're too slow. And then it was about five, four or five minutes to go. And there was about three people with me in my group, one of them being left, one of them was Paul, he was mm-hmm. And I, Paul was playing first team Celtic at the time. And I turned out Paul, who I knew from, you know, boys club days. And I went, shall we go now then? <laughs> what do you mean? I went, come on. Ding! <laughs> and I sprinted. And I lapped just about everyone. <laughs> so as I, so I could see Roxy and Brun and uh, Wai looking good. Whoa! We didn't know he could do that. Uh, but I was a distance runner. Yeah. I kept hammering him. Um, so for that time, I knew I was fit enough. I was good enough. I think, and it gave me a right. Okay, I'll have a go at this. Bit of confidence as well. I didn't like confidence, but I just immediately knew that all the other bits would be fine. Okay. So I'll go, right. I'll have a go at this, and I'd never considered having a go before that. So Scotland. Oddly enough, was the springboard for me having a go to go to Chelsea. And when you went down to Chelsea and ended up winning the Player of the Year title and stuff, did you expect international recognition to come with that? No, um, I'm happy we, we are sitting. Uh, we should say where we are sitting. We are sitting in one of the rooms here at Easter Road, which I'm delighted by being mm-hmm. happy these days. Um, but an amazing thing happened here. Uh, so, played the under 18s, it went well, but the next step up's under 21s. Mm-hmm. And I get asked to come play with under 21. So it was a, no expectation, but it was a real honour. Yeah. And my family are all really proud, you know, and, you know, they, they like Scotland and like Ireland, you know, the typical Eastern yeah, class okay, thing, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff. But they were so proud of me. Now, for people of a certain age, they won't understand this and expect, but what you would do is you'd send telegrams to okay. say good luck, and you'd open an address room beforehand in a big, big game, a cup final, whatever. And I'm sitting here, and we're playing against Germany, West Germany, as it was then. I think Rummenigge might have been playing that night. Wow. Um, I mean, the, the, over in Finland, Van Basten was playing against us for Holland. <laughs> I mean, that's the names you get. The people you come across. It's like, amazing. You don't think it at the time. You have no idea it at the time. You just play. So we played out there. And I can remember, I mean, absolutely, totally, and utterly politically incorrect. So I don't in any way endorse these comments. Right. Okay. <laughs> at the time, I can remember... <laughs> I'm opening them, and everyone's got a couple of wee telegrams, and they're opening, saying "Good luck to Brian" or "Good luck, whatever." And I've opened them for my brother. Go and pat Bosch the Bosch, <laughs> <laughs> and I hope the next one, give Jerry what for? <laughs> Real old English kind of old chaps kind of thing. And uh, went out, I scored. So I scored that one or two that day. Played well. We beat them, um, and their manager was. Who then claimed that it never happened until I showed him. Um, so got into the twenty ones. So by this point, it was quite young to get into the twenty ones. It was, uh, it was, it was really mm-hmm. good. I wasn't thinking of first team still. 
Okay. Wouldn't have considered that. Still, wow, that's these these are amazing guys, Miles above yeah. my level. But suddenly you're playing. I'm playing at twenty and I'm playing against Douglish. I'm mm-hmm. playing against Hansen. I'm playing against these guys. And I need to be better than them. I need to beat them, I need. And I'm starting to score goals against yeah. all these guys. And I'm starting to create goals against them. I'm thinking, well, you never know. Yeah, you'll have a go at it. And there was a couple of other under twenty ones that stick with me. Um Was that was there an incident I've got noted down here? When you played for the twenty ones against Spain, yeah. that Jockstein gave you oh, yeah. a bit of a but that was, going over at half time, oh, it, it turned out to be for the better. Pure, pure psychology. Yeah. Jock was a genius, and I'd, I kind of met him a few times before at Celtic and that. But he, but he's seen this wee guy who was his nose in a kind of Albert Camus book or something like that. <laughs> you know, weird dress, kind of quite quiet in the background, unusual kind of character. And must have thought he's not good. He's not got the spirit for this. Mm. So we, we played 0-0 at half-time, over in Spain, near. Came in at half-time, he's not the manager. And he absolutely slogged me in front of the other lads. It's a little dressing room, standing there, shouting and bawling of inches from my face. I've got spit all over my face. <laughs> and he's using not the polite, the, the worst language you can know. He's calling me everything. <laughs> right. And I'm thinking, I thought I'd done all right <laughs> And as I walked out, um, Roxy was like, just blanking us. And just get a cup of tea, lads, and everyone's just yeah. looking, going, shit, Pat's done something with a jock. And he was a Scotland manager at the time. And I went out and I tried and I worked hard. And I needed oxygen at the end, I worked so hard. And I didn't see him again the second half, no better, no worse, but I did everything. As if to say, I'll show her. And as I walked off, or into the team bus, he just walked up behind me, ruffled me and went, great way, man, start to finish. Super <laughs> stuff. And I thought, he wanted to know if I did was to stand up yep. to him and in that I didn't crumple in that I reacted that way and uh, I think he would he basically made the decision then that I was going to be brought into squads because mm. um, you were never capped by a jock but the team could you then around the see, team to me, I would have to look into the records for that mm. I don't know because my first cap was Sir Alec yeah. he was the one that brought me up or, or Alex as he was at the time um, but jock didn't plan for next week Okay. Jock planned for five years ahead, ten years ahead. Jock was a genius. I mean, a real genius. I've, I mean, I've worked under, you know, I've worked under some very good managers and some absolute stinkers, <laughs> it has to be said. Um, but he was a genius. He was miles above them all. I mean, even above Sir Alec. I mean, just was technical, better? understood how to motivate everybody. As it was a knowledge of... <coughs> Types of characters, you know, it's easy to say it. People say this stuff. Oh, some people need an arm round them. Some people need shouted at. Some people, yeah, it sounds very good. Much more subtle than that. Yeah. You know, you look at all the the, pe- the psychiatrists and psychologists and sports science people you've got working now. Job was them all rolled into one, with no training and knowledge, just intelligence. He was genius. I mean, every it's Danny McGrain. I remember Danny McGrain telling me some great stories about how he wound him up. <laughs> Kenny absolutely under the thumb you could do it with anyone but always choose a different way Jinky had some amazing stories <laughs> about it so everybody you ask Barry Holden brilliant story but everyone's got a story of how Jock manipulated them to get the best out of them and I've never seen anything like it never in any walk of life I've ever seen like it so I mean Jock was amazing you get him in Scotland manager and that, what a chance Scotland yeah. had and obviously you know that right, terrible night where we lost him was we got through and you know, and that was just, you know, horrendous to think back to that 
of what Scott and Mate have been. Because mm-hmm. Jock may have stayed for many years. Yeah. And we may have had various meetups. Yeah. And you know, and Sir Alec couldn't do it forever because he did other fish to fry. Um, but at, at that point, I kind of realised, right, okay, I've got a chance now. Because when I, I sat down and thought about it afterwards, I went, right, okay, I was tested there and I actually passed. Yeah. So they're watching. Um, and at that point, you think, I might have a chance of getting a national team. And my attitude then, at the age of 20, 21, was the same attitude I have now. If I get one cap from my country, that's enough. Yeah. That's it. Just one cap to say that I represent Scotland. I will not, they will never take that away from me. That's what I want. And that's how I felt. And I say strange things like that, that if I got one cap, I'd be as proud as 28 or 50. Mm. I got a cap from my country. And it's Scotland. The other thing is, which is a phrase I often use, is I've not retired yet from Scotland. <laughs> I haven't. I don't think you get to retire. I think uh, what you can do for your country is much more important what your country can do for you. So if I ever, ever I was asked, I never, never, I always, always turned up to every squad. Didn't matter if it was partially injured, didn't matter if it didn't fit, I'll be there. I remember Chalky and I were very same, Brian McClure and I were very same. And other people would, you know, their managers would put pressure on them when we turn up. We, we know that happened. Not us. And we get pressure sometimes. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they didn't want us exhausted. Don't care. We're Scottish. We're there. And this all stemmed from Mexico again. I, I did. And that's yeah. where I'd started it. You know, and where I came. And it, I can remember coming up once or twice, can't like, Some stick. Because in a, it, there is a different attitude. There was a different attitude towards the Anglos from the Scottish press at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Probably rightly so, you know, but we weren't real Anglos. Mm-hmm. We were kind of Scots who happened to be played. We weren't Anglos who completely become Anglicised in the English game. Okay. Some of them had, you know, not name names, but you can probably guess. But we hadn't. So the younger ones that come through under Roxy, we'd been schooled to be purely Scottish. So we would never give that up. We were always there. And, you know, that, that was a, a core thing about it. And every time you travelled, and, you know, when you finally get into the, the first team, you travel anywhere, and they're always there. Mm-hmm. The fans are always there. And never, ever forget how hard it is, how hard to travel, how much it's costing, what a massive effect this is having. They're having to change their lives to do this. Um, it sounds like a line, but it's not a line. It's exactly how I felt everything. The, the players genuinely appreciate it, yeah? Some. Yeah, some take it for granted, you think? Yeah, it's natural. It's human mm-hmm. nature. Um... And maybe if you come from a background of, um, well, you've come from outside football, say from education or something like that, maybe a bit more you see it mm-hmm. because you've not been cosseted. And I think it's harder now because a lot, maybe not so much with Scottish internationals, maybe with other countries, you're kind of cosseted really early and it, you get a wee bit. You, you don't see the reality of life, you know. You're, you're in this lovely little bubble yeah. of professional football. I never was and made it my point never to be. And if you've got, if you like that, then that never goes away. And also, there was another thing: my dad never missed any games. So, beat Scotland, beat Chelsea, beat Everton. He was always at every yeah. game, home and away. And I didn't need to think about Scotland fans; I just need to think about him. Right. Okay. The efforts he's making. However, he did let himself down. Once. <laughs> oh no! Right, he did let himself down once, which I can remember. We uh, it was a very famous when we were playing against the Republic of Ireland at Hamden Park. Uh, Coops was one side, I was on the other side. We murdered them 
and they were a right good team. The problem is nobody knew they were a good team. Right, okay. They had players like McGrath and Houghton and lots of top, top quality players. But it was little old Ireland in okay. those days. But I'd play against these people every week. I knew how damn good they were. They were a superb team, but we were still hammering them. And they got they got a foul and took it from about 50 yards away from where it should have been taken. <laughs> Broke away. And of all people, Mark Bleeding Lawrence and scored for them. <laughs> We put it one note and that was us. We were out and I was devastated. And you remember walking out at Hamden, my dad's waiting out there as I was walking down the steps. You see, he's smiling. I went, You weren't supporting them, were you? <laughs> and he went, And he just smirked and uh, he went, Well, if you're going to get beat by anyone, I suppose that's who. <laughs> I wouldn't have meant you getting beat by. And I thought, But he was, he was, fit. my dad was massively proud of my mm-hmm. caps that's another great thing my dad no longer with us anymore um, the pride of being able to walk out with my first cap after playing years with media and walking out in my shirt and saying there you are there it is what a brilliant moment that is just what a fabulous fabulous moment because he taught me how to play he, I went out training my dad every day as a yeah. kid and to walk out that day and just give him that just it's a, a moment that's just so I've had so many magical moments at Hamlet Park and they've not all been on the pitch some of them have been outside you know just that moment it's just amazing um, what, what else do you remember about your, your debut then? debut the remaining game come on a sub uh, I think we must have won about 3-0 yeah, um, 2-0 I think 2-0 whatever I'd come on late and half, I'm an hour, up, half an hour to go I've got here coming yeah, off the probably, yeah. decent run out and thinking before I go on, I'm really desperate to go on because you want that first count. Mm-hmm. And then get the call to go on and go on. And then the ball comes to me and thinking, hey, actually, they're passing it to me. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I remember playing against, I, don't, I couldn't tell any of the guys playing against. I have no interest and no concern to play, which I never had through my whole career. Couldn't care less who I was playing against. Just think, you're going to have to be good to stop me, man, because <laughs> I'm up for it. And yeah, done okay. I, I, I can beat a few people and throw in a few skills and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But not making egos or scoring any goals. But it was just getting that first hurdle over with. Yeah. Um, and at the time, it was hard to break into Scotland too. Well, I was going to say, what was it like to be part of that setup? Because some of the names here, huge personalities that played in that game: Gorham and Nettison, Goff, Malpass, Soonis, Dave Neri, Willie Miller, Dalglish, Strachan, Sharp, Aitken, Bannon, Hanson. They're all there. They are people that have gone out and done incredible things in football. Yeah. And see if you looked at the next 11 after that, they were pretty damn good as well. <laughs> so we had strength and depth. So to, to break in that, yeah, you mentioned Coops wasn't even playing that. You know, that yeah. all the players that weren't there that day, of those days. Um, and it never, for a long time, it never got easier than that. You know, you try and get, I was a centre forward, I didn't want to play anyway. You have a look at who her centre forwards at that time. I remember a period where we had Johnson, McClare, McCoist, Charlie, Nick, really Charlie. Yeah. and by the way, that's only the start. There's about <laughs> seven more that are all playing top level throughout England and Europe. And you're thinking, it's a battle, it's a real battle. And there's, so, but there's also part of you that, no, I'm playing against you a lot every week, and I'm holding one against you a lot, mm-hmm. at least. And sometimes, you know, anytime you, you, you think of those names, you would think, actually, no, no, I created a goal against you three weeks yeah. ago. You know, I wouldn't always be scored to create because I was more of a creation. Um, so I wouldn't be really over over spooked by that. Okay. Uh, the personality side is, is a good point. And I can remember when one of the first ones, Brian McClure and I, 
fell out with McLeish. No, McLeish, you wouldn't fall out with the big egg. <laughs> uh, with Hanson and Douglas. How dare we fall out with it? Yeah. We just, they tried to wind us up and we wound them up back and ended up in this big You just egg. not take it. You just want to take it. <laughs> and he's like, uh, Hanson is furious. And Kenny after a while, him thinking, well, they have got a wee bit about them then too. He's just wouldn't to take it. Yeah. Um, and we That's went back. Funny. Big we went, boys. Well, we were back up to our room after it was at dinner. We were back up to our room. Chucky and I just looking at each other. What are we doing? <laughs> are we not supposed to roll over and get our tummies tickled there? <laughs> and he went, Nah. <laughs> Nah, <laughs> we just we get shit. I'd say that's how you earn respect, though, within a squad. It does. Yeah. It does. You don't. You don't back down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you show a certain amount of respect, but when you're not giving it, you just give it back. Yeah. So, and and if you've lived in a football dressing, that's the way it works. Mm-hmm. So, if it's a big name or not a big name, if it's somebody who's trying to bully through whatever way, you just give it back. If you go under at any point in time, you're not going to come up again. So that was always there. Um, I have to admit, the spirit in that squad wasn't great. I, I, I wasn't See, that surprises me. Yeah. No, it wasn't a great spirit. Um, spirit as in the confidence group, in the team. Get on each other, we cliques. Yeah, we cliques. Yeah. Um, certainly the Anglos and the Scots were two. When, when you say the Anglos, you mean the ones that oh, you, had spent the majority of their career down well, there? Well, you're talking about, you, you, if, if you look at Kenny and Nico and all them players, and then to play a bit sharpier than that, all them, mm. they played in England. And they thought, it's England, you know, and right. I don't know what they thought, but they didn't mix as much with Willie and Eck and other guys and Paul and mm-hmm. all the end guys. And you're thinking Roy, Tom Bunsen for a period of time as well. You know, it was a, it was it wasn't nasty, but it wasn't a nice feeling. It wasn't a, a real close knit group. It's a bit disconnected, really. Yeah, no, that was. I don't think many, if possibly reality, that may have held Scotland back for many years even before I was in the squad I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case as well um, that, that it wasn't a, a, a united group all the time um, but that's quite quite normal for football teams it shouldn't be with a national team it shouldn't be with any team but certainly it shouldn't be with a national team because we're all fighting yeah. for the same cause um, it was only really when Roxy came in when Andy came in and he had to change a lot of things and when he came in we did lose a lot of the the great names because they were getting older um, but then that was helped by the spirit and the spirit was mm-hmm. generally not always perfect but the spirit after that was a real joy to be part of and I can remember laughing a hell of a lot when <laughs> this thing went on and you know players coming into the, the, the group that were more of our generation that we felt felt barely so that was then it became a real pleasure to them. it wasn't a a battle it wasn't a a test it was a right let's do this okay. so people the, the attitudes are there I mean funny enough the two groups that were unusual wasn't it at that point the Angles and the Scots there was a Celtic group and a Rangers group they got gone alright yeah. but they were so different they were, there was a period I'm mixing periods up here but hard to remember which ones were which but they were, they were honestly is that later in the 80s yeah there was a proud, proud time you got the I walk on the coach and I, I knew Paul McStay, I knew Tam Boyd, I knew, you know, all them guys, mm-hmm. you know, JC and all that. Not that that's kind of group, kind of nice, kind of choir boy lads, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who are kind of quite like me. Uh-huh. And then you look up the other end, you've got Koiste and Durante and Gorham and, <laughs> and they're having a riot. Like, <laughs> and it was just two massively different personalities of groups. And they didn't dislike each other, mm-hmm. they, worked, they worked well together, but they were two groups. But 
so that's not to say they're against each other because oh. you would think they would be and from the outside you think oh god Celtic Rangers no it wasn't like that at all they worked fine together but they weren't this <laughs> and you're walking around thinking god who do I want to sit yeah <laughs> who do I attach myself to and then you, st- you stick you stick something big dunking in that, you know, <laughs> so it was it always changes people think what was that group like and I should find every single squad moved on and moved on and moved mm. on and moved on and I don't know one day I will sit down and work out how many squads I was in I mean I played 28 games but if I was on 60 or 70 squads I wouldn't be surprised yeah yeah because I didn't get on a lot of time. check in again next week for part 2 of my chat with Pat Nevin in which he discusses his memories of playing against the best at Euro 92 and assesses the current Scotland team Sports Social Podcast Network